another week, another edition of the Chair Shot Podcast. Back here on Sunday night, the final edition for June 2020. Can you believe we are at the end of June already? We're absolutely tearing through this hellscape of a year. I'm one of your hosts, Barry Murphy, joined as always by Paul. That's me. And Joe. Hello. We're back, lads. We had a little week off last week. Um, I think uh, reflective of the uh, extremely trying times we are in, not only in the world, but in the the wrestling uh, uh, landscape. Uh, Obviously, last week there was the uh, the big, huge, huge, huge movement in in the wrestling world that also, I think, also went beyond wrestling and uh, came about in comedy games comics uh, a whole variety of, of kind of subcultures uh with the the speaking out hashtag within the wrestling realm didn't quite feel like appropriate to come on and do this very stupid show we do um uh, taking a wry look at the world um so we had a week off uh, a very draining week lots of uh, reading lots of taking things in um, I know obviously one of you put out there a message of solidarity on the account. Um, and yeah, we're back this week. I don't know about you lads, but um, I have not watched a second of wrestling programming um, or really thought about wrestling itself in the last two weeks. It has not been my, uh, it's not been on my radar. Well, I mean, I, I've watched, I still watch Dynamite. Mm. But um, I, don't, I didn't want to watch it before, let alone now. So. <laughs> right. The only bit I've, set, I've put SmackDown on earlier after the FA Cup game finished. So it was on uh, BT Sport. Uh, and it, it was the last five minutes of Undertaker versus AJ Styles from WrestleMania. And uh, it was still quite funny. Still quite entertaining. Yeah. So it was good. But yeah, that's all I've, all I've watched in the last two weeks. Yeah, I think generally speaking on this show, this is not exactly a uh, people don't come here anymore for the uh, the raw recap, you know the the <laughs> dive on the wrestling news. So uh, I don't think people will be too uh, uh, upset to hear. Well, at least you know on on my account. Uh, so I I cancelled my AEW sub, not not out of any kind of protest, but just as like I. I'm not in the mood to watch Dynamite. I'm not really in the mood to watch anything currently. Um, I was all excited for the return of, of, of New Japan. I started watching the New Japan Cup. And then, again, my appetite kind of deteriorated for, for wrestling. I still have that sub. I might get around to it when I get back in the mood eventually. But, um, yeah, this is very much a period of uh, let's have an outbreak from the old wrestling um, uh, in light of everything that's happened. Because uh, you know, I mean, like Paul, you and I, we've we've talked quite in depth uh, about you know OTT shows and, and angles and matches and our excitement for that whole thing. And I mean, and that's just yeah. been completely turned upside down um, uh, to the to the degree that I would hope it's unrecognizable when it comes back, because it seems like there's going to have to be pretty pretty thorough changes at the top all the way down um, when uh, when that comes back. So uh, so yeah. Uh, at least on my account, anyway, there, there, there will probably be less wrestling talk than usual on this show going forward. While, uh, while uh, you know, we we come to terms with all that news. Kind of, kind of glad in a way that that there are no shows running at the moment because I think it's like 
it gives it gives a lot of the 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 people involved time to say okay i don't have to run a show you know next weekend or whatever so let's really let's really examine what needs to be done uh so i'm i'm curious to see what what the landscape will look like you know at the end of the year yeah it's a strange one because wrestling is one of those very decentralized businesses where literally like we could go and put on a show next weekend Mm. well apart, apart from covid we could just go and put on our own indie show and let god knows what we get up to if, um, yeah, we had the chance to run one, and what? There's no union, there's no professional body, there's no oversight at all. Even the government don't give a shit about wrestling because it's just a sleazy joke. So yeah, it's one of those things where, like, really, who, you know, how are people held to account? And obviously, that's what attracts these people in the first place. So mm-hmm. hopefully, there will there will be changes, and hopefully, it's kind of led from the top, but well, remains to be seen. Yeah, uh, you know, we're not we're not going to you know sit here and read the. First of all, there's not enough minutes in the day to read the laundry list of um, uh, of stories that have come out this week. Obviously, I would and I would hope as well that you know we we've been off for two weeks, so I think I think people would, would have been using that time to 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 think on and, and and read all that stuff themselves. So yeah, so we will very awkwardly transition here into our our regularly scheduled programming um, uh, and try and soldier on. Uh, with life guff, it's been a weird. Uh, it's been a weird week because it's been in my part of the world at least. It's been alternating uh, extremely warm and then also extremely stormy. Um, I wish I lived in a country that would like give me easy access to some variety of hunting rifle, because the <laughs> the the seagulls or whatever the fuck they are in my neck of the woods, they are, they they are absolutely demented they are they are so completely off the wall i don't know what's going on if it's the weather driving them mad i've heard that a factor might be just you know it's just being in the city in general but i feel like they're worse than they've ever been and i've complained about them before on the podcast but uh yeah so so uh, you know a, a mixed bag weather wise and uh it was my old birthday week there um hey. uh, just gone and i must say Thank you very much. Uh, I, I must say, generally speaking, uh, circumstances notwithstanding, I had a, a, a pretty nice uh, last week or so for the birthday, you know, hanging out with the girlfriend and meeting up with you know, my mom and, and just, you know, just in general, just enjoying a, a fairly pleasant few days. And it kind of coincides with, with it getting a little bit easier here in Ireland to kind of go about, you know, your daily routine, go to some places, get some break away from the house. Um, uh thankfully so uh so yeah as we as we now enter the week where some pubs will be allowed to open we're in we're in exciting times here uh but that was really it that was really it for for my week not much not much news what about you lads what age are you now 29 catching up on us very slowly yeah oh boy Uh, i mean i mean we're, we're all aging at the same rate but Yes, yeah, but there's phases. I mean. There's phases of one's life, and I'm catching up. You know, yeah. Uh, the funny thing with the pubs opening, I was thinking um, in the week. Obviously, the the pubs are opening with a lot of a lot of stipulations. Mm. You know, it's appropriate because it's extreme rules coming up. But um, <laughs> it's like you have to have to have food first of all, because mm. they're 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 opening as restaurants primarily. And they can only stay there for a certain amount of time. Is that right? 
100 minutes or something? 90 minutes. Oh, it, it, it's kind of weird. It's like if you want to reduce the, the social distance amount to one meter, you have to be gone in 90 minutes. But I think there, aside from that, there's also a separate, I don't know. It's, 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 I, I'll be honest. I have no, I have absolutely no interest in going to the pub during this first, this first wave, because it sounds like the least amount of fun possible. Because I was thinking if you wanted the uh, very disappointing follow-up to Gone in 60 Seconds. If you wanted to watch uh, an FA Cup game, what would happen if it went to extra time? Would, would they kick <laughs> you out anyway? You say, well, I haven't yeah. watched the match yet. Well, I, I, I mean, I have, asked, I have seen people ponder that, you know, in earnest. It's like, what is the point of going to the pub if you cannot even stay the duration of a football match? I mean, I mean, it just—it's. I mean, I think generally, look, Ireland has handled this whole thing mostly very well, but these these seem like the most arbitrary rules um, uh, ever. I would almost rather they didn't bother until such a time as they can do it better. I suppose the lesson is, if you want to watch football, off to Florida with you. <laughs> yeah. Um. So here we have a new little dog staying with us. Ooh. He's a Brule. He's a greyhound. Um, and he's right next to me here in his little uh, crate that he sleeps in. Ooh. Although he, he's very attached to Natty. So when she like leaves the room, he'll start crying. In fact, can you go out for a second? Just see if he does. We get him on the microphone. Yeah. This is just a test to prove the, the neediness of this dog. Right, Natty is leaving the room. Are we going to get anything from the dog? <laughs> Are you going to give us any noise? He is not making a noise. He's the Michigan J dog of the podcast world. Puppy, he's gone. Speaks volumes. Make a noise. Come on. Performing monkey, let's do it. He's not making any noise. You can come back in, sweetie. It was a flop. It was a failure. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not making any noise. He's not making any noise. Um, but yeah, he's a little greyhound, little greyhound boy, and he's with us for a couple of weeks before he goes off to live in England, I believe. So he's going over your Ooh. side of the. Uh, the, yeah. the sea, Joe. Um, no. Not sure about that. <laughs> I thought we'd put an end to all that. <sighs> yeah, no, apparently not. Apparently not. Not for he's, dogs. Uh, not for dogs. No, he's the latest in, in the line of uh, Irish emigrants. Um, and aside from that, I got my little temporary crown put in. Um, little plastic Ooh. crown. And I have to go back on Thursday for the the permanent one to be put in. Um, it was very it was an interesting experience them making the the crown. Um, hurt a little bit because they 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 need to make a little mold of your teeth, obviously. So they they do the the whole bottom. Uh, row or whatever you call it they do the whole top row but then they do just specifically the tooth that's being crowned once they kind of file it down and the little um the little edges on the 
the mold kind of were digging into my gums and it was hurting me a little bit, but I was too manly to say anything. <laughs> too manly to say anything, just cry. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so they, they, they whacked on a little plastic one and they said, you know, if it falls off or anything, uh, come right in and they can make me a new one lickety split. It hasn't fallen out. It's still in my mouth, still uh, attached. I go back on Thursday to get the proper, uh, proper new one put in. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and aside from that, not too much newsworthy. I don't think. I'm still very disappointed that the dog didn't, uh, didn't uh, cry for us on cue. Just kick <laughs> him. Give it a no, finish the dog. Um, but no, he's a very nice dog. Um, very friendly. He likes being pet and all that. Because the the previous two foster dogs we had were both. I mean, th- this boy is also a little timid, a little scaredy, but they were like freakishly so to the point that they would almost not want you to pet them. Whereas this this is a nice little boy. He likes pets. He likes sleeping on the bed with us. Um, so it's nice to have him around, but he, yeah, he'd be here another week or so. I he'd be gone. And I don't think too much else happened in, in my world. What about you, Joe? Um, not a lot, really. Just work, more work. We're going for three months now and they still want me to do even more. I mean, taking the piss really, but yeah, that's about it. Did a bit of, God, it's been so hot. I've been keep wanting to mow the lawn, but it's always either boiling hot or raining. So you should, it's just never the right time. But uh, today was a bit cloudy, so we, we got out there and did it quickly and sorted all that out. So it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we had a barbecue one of the days. And then, this is almost a life guff thing in, you know, of itself. We have um, steak every Friday. Ooh. And I'll usually go for a sirloin steak which is which, which i like but is which which is one of the cheaper cuts yeah um cheaper than a strip loin or a ribeye yeah. or any so, of those did, so did you notice by the way uh steak cuts have like different names in the u.s um yeah they call them uh, they call them the new york strips new york yeah. strip they call them uh, a london broil Mm. I don't know what that. I've never come across one of those. Can I have a sirloin, please? Uh, what the fuck is that, boy? Hey, I don't understand what this guy's talking about. Nice, nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I did about three different accents in that one. Yeah, US yeah, one. like one. <laughs> I tried to do New York, but then I already, I already started doing that halfway New York. through. <laughs> hey, I'm from New Jersey over here. Um. But, to get to the point of the story, uh, this Friday I got a T-bone steak. Gave myself a little treat. A T-bone? Oh. A, t- a T-bone. It was very, very nice. Mm. Very, very good. Uh, but no, that's it then. That's all we, that's all we got up to. Alrighty, that's life golf for the week. Let's jump in to telly golf. We've been watching TV this week to pass the time. I've watched some telly. Um, 
watched, oh, I'll kick off with an update on a 90 Day Fiance. Um, we finally caught up, because we, we caught up with the show as it was going out in real time. So we actually saw the kind of finale of season four uh, this week, or the first part of the finale, um, which is where they bring all the couples together um, to talk about their experiences throughout the season and have a bit of an argument with each other. Um, obviously, with the lockdown, they had to do it all virtually, which was, um, on one hand, not good because it's a bit stilted, as all these video calls are. But on the other hand, it was great because because they weren't in physical proximity proximity to each other. They didn't give a shit. They were just coming out with anything, slagging each other off, going mental. Uh, it was it was good. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to uh, to part two. Um, I also spent a good couple of hours on Saturday afternoon writing a 2,000-word article on um, before, uh, 90 Day Fiancé before the 90 days. Um, so if you're interested in that, check that out on Twitter. Uh, it's a, it's a I read it. You read the whole thing. You haven't even seen the show. Correct. You, you loved it anyway, I presume. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, a countdown of all the 24 couples by how boring to entertaining they were. So that was great. That's going well. Um, we watched a documentary on Netflix called Disclosure, uh, which is a new one from them, which is all about the portrayal of transgender people uh, in the media or in, specifically in Hollywood um, over the decades, um, sort of going from kind of you know punchlines to quite sort of nasty representations of, of trans people as, as serial killers or psychopaths through to kind of modern day um, shows that that are actually you know, written, directed, produced by trans people, starring trans people about you know, real life issues. So that was, that was really interesting. Some really, really good talking heads on that. Some good insight. Uh, we also started a new show. I've been desperate for a new kind of um, series to watch. It's got lots of episodes. And so we finally started on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, which I believe came out is it 23 years ago, 1987? Yeah, Ooh. 23 years ago. So we're a little bit behind the curve. Um, I always thought it would be one of those shows that I actually enjoyed, but just never, never did. Um, but we started it, watched the first couple of episodes, and it's really good. It's really funny and, and silly. And it's got uh, vampires in really bad kind of 90s TV makeup. Yeah. Um, so I wholeheartedly re- uh, recommend Buffy the Vampire Slayer if you haven't. Uh, watch that over the last quarter of a century. Uh, time, time to get on that train. Uh, yeah, so good, good week of telly for for me. What about you, Paul? Uh, well, talking of shows from two decades ago, I finished watching season one of Scrubs. Ah, uh, watching that along with the podcast. Finally caught up to the season one finale. Uh, really great. Really, really good. Um, ages a lot better than clips I've seen from later in the show's run. I think that first season, mm-hmm. lo- like the first ep- uh, first season of The Simpsons, kind of nails the the balance between comedy and seriousness um, better than than the later series. Um, I also watched an episode of Inside Number Nine. Uh, the third or fourth episode of the latest season. It was the um, the Christmas episode where it had the... I don't know what the episode was uh, called. Oh, yeah, another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
where the the little boy is opening the advent calendar. Yeah. Um, I thought it was great. Hmm. I, I enjoyed it a lot, but I I was kind of expecting something to happen at the end. I kind of appreciated that there wasn't. A, uh, yeah. A wacky twist. Yeah, not necessarily a twist, but some. I don't know. Something. It felt something a, more than nothing. A little bit flat. It was a little bit kind of, and it's over. Didn't need a big yeah, twist. Just something just to go. Hello. It's over. I felt satisfied by the the mini reveals that were sprinkled throughout the episode, mm-hmm. more so than there being a big a big reveal at the end. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was one of the stronger, the stronger episodes of the of the, of the series. Um, another one that uh, Steve Pemberton was really good in. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I like the entire. I like the entire cast for that one. That was that was a real good episode. Um, what else? Uh, the, 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 the RuPaul's Drag Race continues. Of course, the All Stars season. Uh. Now, there, Joe, if, that, if there's a show that you want mad reveals and twists and turns at the end, that's <laughs> yeah. um, In this one, the, the, the kicker of the series is, usually in the All-Stars uh, series, the, the, the top two drag artists of the week will, will lip-sync off, and the winner will then get to choose someone to eliminate and that's how the field gets whittled down yeah but what they're doing this year is they have one winner and they have then what's called in true rupaul over the top fashion a lip sync assassin who is like one of the better lip syncers from prior seasons gets brought back like like Undertaker at WrestleMania, their <laughs> one show a year. Oh, they got the Undertaker uh, to show up. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if that last lip sync is good enough. Uh, if RuPaul gives me the call, <laughs> um, and so whoever wins that lip sync gets the pick. But then this week, the lip sync was so good that it was a draw, and they both got to choose. And it was like, oh my god. It's great. Um, I believe that's all the TV that I've been watching outside of non-specific things like The Soup from May 2010. And I watched some episodes of Pointless. But that's it. How about yourself, Barry? Righty. Uh Speaking, uh, the two lads were there a second ago, a little bit ago. I had a good chance for a segue. Speaking of shows from 20 years ago, um, I have been watching Futurama. Um, and I, when they when it was added to Amazon Prime, I was kind of going back and I was watching the early episodes just as a thing to have on. It's similar to The Simpsons, you know, it's, it's good background uh, noise. But I, I, I decided, I was like, hey, let's just skip all this and let's just go to the stuff I actually haven't seen. Because obviously I saw the original four seasons. I saw the the f- four films they put out, the straight-to-DVD uh, uh, feature-length things. And then I remember mm. when, it ca- when it came back to Comedy Central, I watched about half of that first season when it came back. And I enjoyed it plenty, but for whatever reason, I just didn't stick with it. So I, I, I ended up not seeing 
um, much of that stuff. So I'm now about like like two seasons deep on that stuff. Uh, Amazon has this stuff categorized very, very weirdly. They have the total number of Futurama seasons at like 11 or something like that because they count anything that has a mid-season break, they've broken up into two seasons. Mm -hmm. So it's a little all over the shop. So I, I'm not actually certain where I am in the actual... I think there's a, officially there's like eight seasons, so I'm actually not sure where I'm on there. But I will just say generally across the board, um, like really, really pleasantly surprised with how with how sharp it's it's kept uh, it kept itself, you know, deep into that second run. Um, easy watch, very clever, very kind of um, um, adventurous and 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 uh, creative. Uh, in a similar style to you know later programs like Adventure Time and Rick and Morty would would uh, you know uh, really be colorful and different every week and going to new worlds and meeting all these weird creatures. Futurama has that and it also has tons and tons of laughs. Um, so yeah, really really enjoying it. I'm I'm very pleasantly surprised and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to to finishing that up um, uh, sometime soon. So yeah, I was, I was, I was kind of uh, I, it would have been disappointing. If it, if, if it trailed off um, and then I, I ended up just not bothering. But I, I'm fairly confident I'll at the very least finish it and, and I'll probably be fairly satisfied with it. So, uh, yeah, thumbs up for Futurama. That's all on, on Amazon Prime if anyone wants to, to catch that later stuff, if you're like me and you didn't see it. Uh, I think I'm the exact opposite of you in that I saw all the later stuff, but I've not seen a lot of the earlier stuff. Yeah, I think I think you mentioned that before. You should, yeah. It's, it's really great. Um um the the early the early stuff really does feel like they were just constantly having fun and, and being really creative and uh, basically every episode uh, i love future it's, it's really great um uh, and with that we could probably jump in to the old game guff if i'm not mistaken we oui, we oui. uh so since we last uh spoke i have started and finished the Last of Us Part Two, uh, which of course was seven years in the making from what, um, and I just finished this last night, and I was pretty thoroughly impressed. Uh, like the first game, it kind of has an ending, which is very much it's very much not knock you on your your ass and you go oh, oh wow what a what a moment what a what a conclusion to the story you know it's not it's not avengers endgame it's not going for 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 bombast you know um uh, but similar to the first game it's kind of it ends on a a certain kind of dour note that kind of leaves you with with a lot to chew on and to think about and uh, the more i've thought about it the more i really liked it and the more it's uh it felt very bittersweet and apropos for all the characters, the way everything played out. I'm obviously not going to get into specifics just now. But uh, on the whole, I thought it was a, a fantastic and, and worthwhile uh, sequel, uh, worth the wait. Um, I thought it did right by by the ending of the first game, and I was uh, very, very, very satisfied with it. And I think two things of note about it i think it's i while i have i don't have a specific hour count on uncharted 4 i this feels like easily the longest naughty dog game um that they've ever produced um yeah Un uncharted 4 i think was in the range of 13 14 hours oh so okay this easily blows past that so this is i clocked in it actually more games need this it has a little timer next to your save game showing you how many hours you put in 
Um, I came in at around 23. Um, I saw some reviews going as high as 30 in their in their estimation. This is a long, long game. And while I think there are probably... I would struggle to pick which one is better. I think there's going to be a lot of conversations about the differences between the two games. Um, I This one is way more ambitious in terms of the story it's telling, in terms of the direction it's going. And so naturally it loses a little bit of the tightness and the focus of the first one. And that's a positive and a negative. I think they land an awful lot of the story stuff they wanted to land, but it can also feel at certain points like a bit of a slog. Like, oh no! Um, like Naughty Dog games are typically not this long. I feel like they get the. I feel like the the relatively breezy um uh, uh um feel of them. Even Last of Us, which is obviously a, a very heavy game, it moved along at a very decent pace. Whereas it's weird because it, it I, slog is maybe the wrong word because everything feels justified. Uh, you know, they, they there's an awful lot of action in there, but they also have tons of slower moments, lots of contemplative moments, just like the first game. There's lots of exploring. There's lots of story sections that don't have any combat. And I feel like you can't necessarily take any of those parts out. Otherwise, it kind of becomes the game it always could have been, which is and which kind and it was kind of marketed as, which is just kind of endless, just scene to scene to scene of like endless brutality, um, which is absolutely not what it is. I mean, it's it's really it, there's there's a lot going on. It's it, it's it's a game that's kind of I think would be quite difficult to market and, and justify all the different themes and ideas going on in it. So slog is maybe the wrong, is the wrong word, but I will say it is a it is a long game. It's doing a lot, and so it needs every minute of that runtime. But it can definitely feel a little bit like, okay, you, every now and then you'll have a, an encounter with enemies where you're just kind of like, okay, I, I kind of just want to see the next cutscene because I, I, I don't want to kind of uh, uh, maneuver around uh, these enemies to get to it. Uh, but another thing I would say is I think, and this is, I think this is high praise, I think it's the best playing a Naughty Dog game they've ever they've ever developed. Um which I would not have I said. Mean, which I would not have said about Last of Us One. I don't know. I, I as much as I've enjoyed all the Naughty Dog games I've played, I I don't necessarily enjoy them for the gameplay. Like yeah. Uncharted, between the big set pieces, is a fairly run of the mill, bland, if very pretty, like run and gun third person action game. Yeah, it doesn't do any of its things that well <laughs> you know yeah it it, it it and i kind of thought four was the was the closest it got to feeling like a nice um uh fully featured kind of uh, action game whereas so so, so last of us it re, uh, part two really um it's it, they've they've kind of they've taken the core concept of the first game they've added some extra movement options uh, there's a dodge option you can go prone like in a real stealth game um you can climb the, the level design is incredible i mean they that in that regard it's very similar to, to uncharted 4 there's big open spaces and you're in a city level there's like four or five shops on a street you can go into some of them have two floors some of them have, have rooms that you can only crawl into and all this other stuff and you've got three different enemy types who act in different ways and so there, there's it's really good at immersing you in that thing of okay 
I kind of have to be stealthy here. I've got two bullets in this gun. I've got one bullet in this gun. I've got one thrown object. I can stealth take this guy out. Oh, shit, I got discovered. Let me just, you know, shoot this guy in the head and then sprint to try and lose the other enemies because I just don't have the resources to take them out. It's really good at immersing you in that sense. And it, the the logic of the game feels really, really solid in the sense that it's difficult, but also when you when you instinctively feel like, okay, I've probably put enough distance between me and everyone else that they should not know where I am. That it, your, your instinct is usually correct in that sense. So it's, it's really, really satisfying. And on top of that, you have all the naughty dog flourishes, all the animations, all the ways the characters call out to each other. The, 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 the glass physics in this game is incredible. You'll be knocking people through windows and, 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 um, you know, uh, smashing through windows yourself to, to escape into cover uh it's it's really really satisfying and I, it's 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 one of the reasons i'm looking forward to jumping back in and, and replaying it is seeing how all of those encounters play out differently uh if i do different techs so um yes yeah really 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 satisfied with that looking forward to replaying it um and and uh yeah very very satisfied so and that was that was of course all i played this week <laughs> um so I've not by any means given up on, but I kind of shifted my focus away from uh, Zelda for a week. Well, you've had a lot of it. Um, <laughs> I'm still in the middle of playing Oracle of Seasons. I'm still playing uh, Paper Mario, although I also kind of didn't play any of that this week. I um, I played the Pokemon Sword DLC that came out. Natty and myself have both beaten it. It's a fairly short, maybe six, seven hour story. Um, the new island that opens up is is fun to explore. Uh, we haven't quite finished the the little island specific Pokedex that comes with it, but we're we're working our way on that. Um, but yeah, a quite fun little extension without necessarily having anything really that different from the main game. Um. More interestingly, I took the chance to revisit some of my favorite walking simulator games. Because um, I'm a big walking simulator guy. Feels like there, feels like there hasn't been many of those recently. Like there was a big a big explosion of those in like 2017, 2018. And then they kind of fell off a little bit. Um, so what, what is a walking uh, this week I've played four of those games. A walking simulator, Joe, as the name might suggest, is a game that has very little, um, very little actions or very little um, options aside from moving around and exploring um, the game's world. So you're not using weaponry, you're not driving vehicles, you're just plopped into a world uh, and with a, a story to kind of string you along, but that's basically all, all they're doing. I'll give you the example. The first game I played um, is a game called Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, in which you are dropped into this English country town. Uh, it's a, a fictionalized version of Shropshire. And the entire town's people and animals have disappeared. And so it's this completely empty town. And as you explore the the back alleys, or not alleys, but the back roads and the 
the empty houses of these townspeople, you are hearing through radio transmissions and telephone conversations about this um, pandemic that was happening, which has quasi-scientific, quasi-religious undertones. It's not really clear what's going on. And you're putting kind of clues together uh, as you explore. And also, uh, there's these, these certain areas of the game where you will see, and for people who haven't played it, I won't get into how, you, how you're seeing this or how it's being manifested, but you're seeing representations of the townspeople having conversations which took place just before they disappeared or years before they disappeared. The timeline isn't exactly clear. Which that's filling in the backstories of the town and filling in the backstory of what actually happened. It has kind of a, a sci-fi feel to it, but it, it takes place in a very uh, almost hot fuzz esque uh, country bumpkin town, and it's possibly the most gorgeous game that I've played on PS4. It's absolutely stunning looking. Mm. Um, it is very slow, and you your character moves very slowly. Um, but I just, I absolutely love the, the way the town is put together. There's like little secret, uh, passages for you to get from one area of the town to the next. And I think there's even a trophy, uh, like an achievement in the game for getting to the end and then backtracking to the beginning by using these secret passages and and revisiting the areas that you've already passed through. Um, it's, it's quite a short game. I think I beat it in about four hours. Okay. But uh, I really, really enjoyed it. It, it. It's a very relaxing game to play, I'll mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Um, it was funny because we, when the when uh, the dog gets a little bit antsy, we have this music we play from YouTube. If you search on YouTube, like dog anxiety music, there's like this calming music <laughs> which works to calm down the dog. And it actually suited the game I was playing. I was like, this music goes with the game. And so every time I was playing the game, I would put on the dog music. (laughs) Because it's just this calming, like, piano with, like, a lady singing over. I was like, yeah, it suits it very well. But um, everybody's gone to the Rapture. It's it's available on PS4 and PC and all the usual things. It's a, a very relaxing interesting like I, on the second playthrough i got a lot more of the character stories uh because i obviously i know kind of the overarch overarching of what's happening and where to go but and first the first playthrough i was a, a lot more kind of lost in the game this time i was able to focus a little bit more on the characters and, and their little intertwining stories because of, of the five areas in the game you have like the 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 town center then the the farms the forest etc each of those areas focuses on a specific character in the game, and so you're finding out about that character and how they're all interlinked. Uh, really enjoyed it. Really, really good. Uh, then I played a game called Dear Esther, which is uh, made by the same developer as the company who made um, Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, but it was made a few years before. So right. it's a game that when I played the first time, I was like, oh my God, this game is so pretty. The graphics are great. And now playing it immediately after everybody's gone to the rapture, I'm like, this game looks like shite. Um, <laughs> it's a a much shorter game. Like everybody's gone to the rapture. I like I said, I beat in about four hours. Dear Esther, I want to say it took me about forty five minutes. Wow. 
Um, dear Esther, like um, everybody's gone to the Rapture is is a walking simulator. It's a bit more, and I don't want to. I don't mean this as like a great insult because it's a game that I enjoy a lot. But it's a bit more up its own arse than uh, <laughs> um, everybody's gone to the Rapture because it's very, very poetic in in the way that it's told. It's you, you essentially with no memories are are washed up on this Scottish island again, a, a completely deserted island. And you see in the distance the this red blinking light of what turns out to be a radio tower. And you, you're making your way to the tower. And as you're going, uh, a voiceover in your head is is reading these diary extracts. So Dear Esther, which is where the name comes from. And the game is like the best movies. Are you ready for some pretense coming up here, folks? Ooh. Like the best movies, the game is very non-literal. And uh, it, it, the entire game is a metaphor for something which becomes apparent towards the end. Oh. And like so The Undertaker versus AJ Styles. Or even more uh, properly, John Cena, Bray Wyatt. Oh, yes. Um, so for, there's, the game is split into four sections. The first two, you're kind of exploring this grey... Scottish island and then in the third part uh, you go into this cave and it's one of my favorite little sections in any video game because the soundscape plus the visuals are just like mesmerizingly good Um, you have like the echoing of the drip 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 plus this kind of mermaid siren song that's playing and it's just completely hypnotic and I absolutely love it um, so a good game, but not quite as engaging on in a story level as uh, everybody's gone to the rapture, mm. but but also not as as slow or ponderous as that game is. It's a bit it's a bit more of a quicker game, but equally good. I then played the king of the walking simulator, the OG of the walking simulators, the the granddaddy of them all, gone home. That's it. That's the one. That is the one. Uh, this is my second time playing it. I will say I wasn't on the edge of my seat this time. Like I was the first time playing this. Um, first, play, first time playing Gone Home, I was quite literally leaning forward the entire time playing it because it was so tense. What's happened? Like in Gone Home, you, you play this girl who's come back from a trip to Europe to find her house completely abandoned you'll notice a trend here yeah. the house is completely abandoned mm-hmm. and you want to find out what happened to the family where's my family gone why are they not here and there is like elements of horror to it there's elements of like romance of a of a um one of your siblings is is involved in this romantic relationship your parents it's hinted that there's some difficulties there the father had uh because an author was having difficulties with that while the wife was being very successful at her job. And, and so there's, there's all these kind of threads in play. And it made for a really, really enthralling first playthrough. Like, if if there's anyone who's never played a walking simulator, Joe, for you, for example, Gone Home, I think, is the one to dip your toe in. Because the game is about two hours long. You could probably get it for about five pounds. Today. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not going to well, break the bank. It's actually uh, five pounds forty nine on Steam currently. Well, there you go. And 
like go it's one of those things like like people say for movies go into it completely blind don't know anything about it and uh, like i remember playing it the first time and i was on the edge of my seat leaning forward what's going on what's in the attic ah! and um playing it again knowing obviously the story um i still found it a really clever walking simulator in that there's lots of little secrets to find mm. um and i like the way the game kind of opens up but on a second playthrough it lost a lot of that tension for me and a lot of that um intrigue but still very good and then game number four the old personal favorite <laughs> One of my favorite, probably my second favorite uh, PS4 game behind the Hitman and Hitman 2. That's right. It's What Remains of Edith Finch, mm. which I actually haven't finished yet. I'm, I'm about halfway through it now, but um, oh, absolutely loving it again. Yeah, it's what great. an amazing game. Um, what Remains of Edith Finch is kind of the one that that's, is, is kind of stepped aside from all the others in, in what it does, because it's not purely a walking simulator. Um, you play Edith Finch, the last remaining member of this family, uh, and you inherit the old Finch house, and you go back, and you're essentially learning the stories of all the past family members and how they died in, in mysterious ways, question mark. And um, the way each story is told is like... A mishmash of different video game genres. Mm. So you have one story that's told as like a little mini platform game. You have one story that's told like a visual novel. You have one story where you're doing two separate mini games at the same time, which is like yeah. one of my favorite moments in the game, which also has a really impressively like depressing tone to it. Um, like I said, I haven't finished it yet. What I remember from my first playthrough is like the house itself is like something out of like the Royal Tenenbaums or something. Like it's this weird Roald Dahl esque house where it's it's like full of secret passageways because like the 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 old grandfather who built it was this like this crazy architect who liked building secret passages and leaving normal doors locked so that you wouldn't get into into rooms. The normal way which makes the game really fun to be like how do i get into this room there's some mad hidden passage from one room into another um it has some of my all-time favorite little game moments uh game moments uh the baby in the bath the the chopping the fish which i alluded to earlier yeah the, the little horror comic book do you remember this one very yes yeah um, so many little clever things. I absolutely love it. Um, uh, now, there's a few other walking simulator games that I have on PS4 that I'm not really going to revisit, but I'll give a little shout out here. Um, Virginia, I absolutely loved as well. Uh, that was a little bit more non-linear and, non -linear and had like little editing things to it that were really clever. Jazz Punk, which I didn't really love. Um, the Vanishing of Ethan Carter, which was okay, but didn't blow me away. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I, I revisited those those four because I, I have very good memories of them and each of them I've enjoyed thoroughly again. 
So yeah. Um, when when you mentioned uh, walking simulators, I, I googled it, and there's a game on Steam that is simply called Walking Simulator. I've <laughs> um, not gone too lateral with the uh, the name there, but it's yeah. I assume game. that's go ahead. The year is 2020. World War Three destroyed the civilized world. You are the, lo- the last post carrier tasked to get parcels from point A to B in most barren and desolate places on Earth. Sounds like um, Death Stranding. Sure, it was released two months ago, so it's quite a new game. It's also free. <laughs> it's free to free to play. So might give right. it a go. Well, I mean, the, the the appeal of walking simulators to me is necessarily the actual walking. It's it's that they often have unique stories that you wouldn't find mm. in a typical game um or that the world that you're exploring is is interesting or unique in some way yeah but those are four games that i would recommend to anybody i, I absolutely love them especially gone home which is like i think the most successful one and then what remains of edith finch which is the most actually the most interesting one also um the unfinished swan i absolutely love as well Big shout out for that one too. I never got around to the unfinished Swan. Yeah, I heard it was great. Uh, it is. It's great. <laughs> uh, and then finally, my Mario Kart sixty four arrived. Ah uh, yes. Um, so my I have Mario Kart sixty four on the N sixty four, but my cartridge stopped working. I think it got damaged somehow, or just through wear and tear. So I bought a new. Mario Kart 64, and it arrived, and I was I was playing it, and it's fun. Good game, good game. It's absolutely one of my favorite nostalgia trips because I have so many memories of playing Mario Kart 64 at friends' house, at uh, at cousins' houses. But I never actually owned it myself until um, I think I I actually got off one of my friends, and then that version stopped working, so I had to get a new a new one. But yeah, love it. The the the, um, the only Mario Kart to date that got battle mode right. Every other Mario Kart battle mode stinky, but the N sixty four one. Ooh, yeah, like sixty four one is good, but it's also like I just it's just not what I want to play a Mario Kart game. You know what I mean? I I, I, <laughs> I feel the same about like Crash Team Racing had one as well. It's like yeah, I'll play a car combat game if I want to do that. You know. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I think Mario Kart 64 is the closest to that in terms of quality. I don't like any of the other battle modes, but I think the 64 one with the the level design specifically, there were two levels. It was Block Fort, and mm. I don't remember the other one, but it was it had the different like green and red levels to it, so you could see. Oh my! Where of course you screen watch like all the Mario Kart pros do. Oh, you say, oh, he's on the. The dark green level, that's the very bottom one. So you, you'll make your way down there and you'll be able to see where everybody is in, in, the, in the level. Very, very good. Uh, just, uh, just one game uh, for me this week. I, I rescued my uh, mini snares uh, from my mum's house where I'd left it for several months. And um been playing a bit of the old Super Mario Brothers. I think it inspired Barry, you were talking about playing it the other day. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I wish I could play a bit of that. Maybe I'll buy a whatever what, is, what do they call it now a switch a switch then i was like hang on i already got one of them little things that you can plug into your telly with a usb uh i'll get that and play it and uh yeah i've been playing it it's so fucking hard that game i, I used to be I yeah so many so many years i put into it as a kid but now i'm useless 
just well do you have do you have Mario Bros 3 on that same thing uh no it's not on there that's an, that's an NES game, isn't it? Yeah, that was an NES game. Um, I would like to play that as well. Right. Now, Joe, I will say, having done it myself with the with the PlayStation gimmick, putting other stuff on those consoles is laughably easy. It's so easy. Uh, which um, one do you have, Joe? Is the Super Nintendo or Nintendo? No, the Super Nintendo. Okay, yeah, there's a... There's a software called Hackchi, which I Wait, use for modding it. It's very easy. Wait a minute. What's this gimmick you've got going on? It's H A K C H I. H A K C H I. And it's funny because, like, even after putting all that stuff on the PlayStation One, I don't use it that much, but I use it a hell of a lot more than I I would have if I just had the base uh, uh, games on it. Um, yeah, you can put um like a bit of advice. You can put. Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance games all on it. And and Mega Drive games. So I, I have about 70 games on mine now. Wow. And it's very easy to do. You just have to obtain the ROMs from someplace. Yeah. yeah. I, but you can even put like the little artwork on it and it'll appear on the menu like the rest of the games. It's wow. I'll have to look into this. Anything as you're using the wrong controller that might throw me off, but well, for um, for all the Nintendo ones, they all have the same layout. It would only be the Sega ones that would be mm-hmm. anyway anyway difficult. But then it's only three buttons anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and that is a substantial game guff. Speaking um, of Sega, Sega, I watched a movie this week. Go on. Go on. Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie. What with Jim Carrey in that in it? Sonic colon the Hedgehog colon the movie. So I'm not sure how many colons are involved. Um, I'm not sure why I watched it. To be honest, I know it's a 2020 release. Yeah, that might have been it. And I wasn't in the mood for watching. Um, a, not a real movie, but you know, a real movie. I wasn't in the mood for uh, watch some shite, any old tat. So I watched Sonic. Um, I mean, it wasn't good. <laughs> let, let me start there. Uh, I don't think it was horrible by any means, uh, but it was it was undercooked, undercooked in almost every way. Um, Jim Carrey is playing about six different characters in this movie depending on the scene there's some where obviously he's done the the scripted version like just just do the just do as by the script and then you can improv and do whatever and so some sometimes he's like serious sometimes he's a villain sometimes he's wacky jim carrey so you know it's really a movie yeah, but I I couldn't get a hang of what the character is and then at the end they just start saying that he's a robot, but like, did I miss a scene where that was revealed? I don't recall that. I don't think so. They just start re- referencing him as a robot all of a sudden, but there's never a revelation that he is one. Um, Sonic is a- annoying in it. Not really annoying, but annoying. Um, 
James Marsden is very bland in it. And there's also no, like, there's no reason for anything in the movie. There's no reason why Sonic attaches himself to James Marsden and and his his um, girlfriend or wife or whatever. He, he just likes them. And then they're just mates and they get on. Um, it's not particularly, it's not particularly funny. Um, yeah, just just everything was undercooked from the performances to the acting to the story to all of it. It was all just eh, eh, eh. yeah, yeah. Like it wasn't good. It was it was definitely bad. I think I went like a a four on it. But it could have been far worse. That that that's the as far as generous as I will go. It could have been far worse. But yeah, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. I thought it was alright. I thought it was alright. Um, I mean, if you thought it was alright, you would probably come at the Three Stooges. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where that was going to go. To be honest. I had no fucking idea how that sentence was going to end. And it, it did not disappoint. Well, I mean, The Three Stooges is a, is a, a properly funny film. Ooh. Sonic the Hedgehog, unfortunately, was not. And then at the end, um, not really a spoiler, at the end, Tails shows up and he looks like a fucking CG abomination. But he is a CG just... abomination! <laughs> But he didn't look like like good. It's like this. Little... I thought he looked fine. I thought he looked as good as Sonic. Oh, oh, sorry. Tails at the end. Never mind how he looks. Right. Never mind. And to be fair, Sonic looks fine. Yeah. I I watch I watched that original trailer again. Oh, he's horrendous. Like a fucking nightmare villain. <laughs> I can't believe. Like, look, studios make lots of bad decisions. I can't believe the amount of people who must have saw that and went, yeah, yeah. That's Sonic. And I mean, as far as people complaining about films in a like petition way, like with Last Jedi and stuff like that, Last I generally was. Last was I generally find that very, very annoying. But they were absolutely right with Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent an improvement. Good job. He looks good. Um but Tails when he shows up at the end. Has like the worst stilted dialogue. I think he says like three lines, something like he shows up and looks at like uh, a scanner of some kind and goes, He's here. I found him. I hope I'm not too late. And then he flies off. I was like, What the fuck is that? <laughs> it's a tease. It's a tease. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, so Sonic, I'm, I'm sorry to say, I'll have to give a thumbs down to Sonic. Uh, we then watched Arietti, which is a Studio Ghibli film I've seen before, and we watched it again. It's based on uh, The Borrowers, not the 1997 John Goodman film, but the book on which that was based. <clears throat> and uh, it's quite good. I mean, I think upon rewatch, it's a little slower than I remember it being. It's a little... I wouldn't go as far as say it's dull or anything, but it's it's a little simpler than some of the some of the better ones. It's 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 a good seven or eight out of ten. You know, it, it looks fantastic. Now, yeah. one interesting thing about Ariad, which I didn't realize until I was reading about it today, is 
unlike most Studio Ghibli films, it actually has two separate English dubs. Let me get out the old internet here and give you a rundown of what the US got versus what the UK got. Uh, So, actually, we'll start with the UK, okay? We'll start with the UK. Uh, How does Saoirse Ronan, Tom Holland, and Olivia Colman sound? Ooh, pretty good. That's some Oscar winners, Oscar nominees, and Hollywood blockbuster superstars. Yeah, Yeah. Spider-Man, like one of the most popular actors in the world at the moment. Um, US cast... Uh, Saoirse Ronan replaced by Bridget Mendler of The Wizards of Waverly Place. I have never heard that name before in my life. Uh, Tom Holland. No, we'll have David Henry of Wizards of Waverly Place, please. What? <laughs> why, ha- why did this happen? And then Olivia Colman. Oscar, shove your Oscar up your hole, love. Amy Poehler, please. Oh, my God. I preferred it when I didn't know who they were. <laughs> so I don't know why they have two separate dubs. And that um, US one was done after the UK one, I believe. It's like 2011, 2012. What a weird thing. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. <laughs> right, then. Um, any other movies, Paul? No. What about you, Joe? Uh, just a couple from me. I watched The Queen, which was the uh, Helen Mirren um, vehicle about the Queen uh, and the death of Princess Diana, Lady Di, um, from, from ages ago. It was what you'd expect. Helen Mirren was all right. I thought Michael Sheen as Tony Blair was really good. Uh, it was very much like an, an episode of The Crown. Uh, felt very kind of like a TV movie, so I'm surprised it did so well. Like one, one of Oscars and things, but yeah, that was fine. And then also last night watched a film called Game Night, which ah. stars your man Jason Bateman, Rachel McAdams, uh, Kyle Chandler, and Jesse Plemons as a policeman. Uh, I it was all right. I didn't find it that funny. I kind of liked the concept. But it wasn't the script wasn't that smart enough for me. It, it wasn't like kind of twists or turns. It's basically so it's Rachel McAdams and Jason Bateman are a couple that love like game nights. They're very very competitive about you know Pictionary and Monopoly and Risk and all this stuff. Uh, and then Jason Bateman's brother, who is like a more handsome, successful version of him, challenges them to a game night. It turns into a kind of uh, murder mystery, kidnapping type thing that kind of goes wrong. And it was fine. I didn't laugh that much. But uh, Michelle made me watch it, so what could I do? (laughs) (laughs) Thumbs in the middle for game night. I 100% agree. Yeah. I remember um, Jesse Plemons being really funny in it. And all the other characters just kind of being pricks. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't like, there was one running gag. What was the running gag in it about the wife? I don't remember, but I just remember it being real shitty and just being fucking annoyed by it. There's a running gag about one of the other couples where it's what celebrity she slept with, and it turns out that it was Denzel Washington. And then there's this whole scene about how she slept with Denzel Washington. That has nothing to do with the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I heard it was great, so I was disappointed to find that I didn't really get on with it. Yeah. 
Yeah, so no, no thumbs up for that. Uh, that was it. How about you, Barry? I've seen some movies, yeah. Uh, let me see here. Uh, I rewatched a bunch of movies, and then I watched one movie I hadn't seen before. I watched Dark Skies, which I had never heard of. Uh, it's basically a poltergeist movie where the poltergeists are uh, aliens instead of ghosts. Um, <laughs> I was going to say clouds. No, no. Uh, Paul, do you know that bit in Half in the Bag where they talk about all the tropes of a modern horror movie, including the bit where the scared family goes to the expert, who's usually played by like a character actor. Um, like yes. Vincent, Vincent D'Onofrio in Sinister is the best example. Yeah. Um, so this movie has that exact scene in it. Uh, where they go to they go to a kook, you know, who has newspapers all over his walls. Um, I think that was in the uh, Half in the Bag for that comedy one. Uh, was it called like Phantom House or something? Like, what was the one? Was it a Wayans movie or? I can't remember. I thought it was during an actual uh, horror movie, but um... it, it, the one where oh, I don't remember what the movie's called. Yeah. But uh, they, that scene exists in this movie. The guy has, you know, newspapers all over his house. But the kook is played by J.K. Simmons, which is like <laughs> the most, the most, you are like way above this movie, buddy. Um, a, ha- a Haunted House is the name of the movie, I think. A Haunted House. Okay. Um, so J.K. Simmons is in this. And he's, he's quite good, as you might expect. Um, other than that, it's actually, it's not like a terrible movie or anything, but it's just it's it's a spooky movie about you know uh, uh, what is ostensibly a haunted house, even though they make it about aliens, and the, the haunted house makes the kids do creepy things. Um, it's fine. It's it's a, a kind of brainless horror if you want to stick it on Netflix some evening. That was the only new thing I watched. I rewatched some other stuff. I watched Blockers with John Cena again. Uh, enjoyed. Very funny. I, I don't think I liked it. Quite as much on a re on a rewatch, but uh, very very good, uh, um, very simple breezy watch. I rewatched uh, for the first time, I think, in full since I made since I was a very small child. I rewatched Jurassic Park. Yes, um, which I might watch the other ones because I have not. I've literally seen one, two, and I can't even remember a thing about two, and that's all I've seen. I haven't seen any of the new ones. I haven't seen any of that shit. So oh, I might. Well, I might have to for the sake of it, you know. Let me give uh, you the rundown. Let me give you the rundown. One, brilliant. Two, boring. Three, very shite but very fun. Four, yeah, it's all right. Five, fucking dreadful. Okay. Well, I'll I'll, I'll come back to you and see if I agree or disagree with that in the coming weeks. Uh, but one, brilliant. One, very good. Yeah. Um, like it's like wall to wall iconic moment, and and it holds up. Like it's still a really fun, interesting, really well developed. Like the whole uh, scientists could they never stop to ask if they, uh, you know, uh, if they uh, should. <laughs> um, that whole scene, that like whole conversation they have is great. Um, uh, and and all of that. Uh, if they're you know, and visually it holds up, but of course, to sound like a broken record, the stuff that holds up the best is the physical props. All the physical <laughs> props hold up the best. Um, most of the CGI holds up fine. Where it struggles, and kind of one of the biggest problems is that this, this is the first shot. The daytime CGI shots look bad. They look like. They look like uh, like real humans standing next to early Pixar creations. 
um, like um, uh, so yeah the, the the big reveal the welcome to Jurassic Park and then it's like a, a, a brontosaurus in broad daylight big wide shot of its entirety and it looks bad I mean it just looks bad um, yeah. whereas it, whereas everything else is mostly fine the stampede scene is also not great but they're moving so fast that, that you can kind of forgive it but hey what are you going to do it was it was literally pushing boundaries in the 90s so so it came out in 1993 that's the other thing as well yeah and actually i because i was looking it up because when sam jackson was in it i was like wow sam jackson in this this way and he's kind of in a weird bit part i was like wouldn't sam jackson have been a big enough name and i can't remember what year i said to my, my girlfriend i was like this was like 97 wasn't it and then i checked it's like oh this was 1993 um like this really this really when, when you remember that it was like okay this really was pushing um uh like visual effects into unseen um uh, territory before i mean this is this this might be kind of almost under well not under everyone knows it but like it's kind of like star wars and then this are like the two big milestones um so yeah Jurassic park great um i wish there was more gold bloom i feel like i remembered there being more gold bloom, but he kind of just fucks off for the second half of the film um yeah and then in um lost world Sam Neill isn't in it, and it's all gold bloom. Yeah, that sounds like that sounds like the other problem. That goes too far, I think. Yeah, and then the third one, there's no gold bloom, and it's all Sam Neill again. Oh, terrible! You got to have balance. Yeah. And then the last film I rewatched, um, which I have not seen since it was in the theaters, was The Simpsons Movie, uh, which really feels when you watch it back at home in the comfort of your home. On your Disney Plus gimmick, you're reminded both in a good way and a bad way of this was like event cinema. It was like yeah. special occasion, like, oh, this is a big deal. Because a lot of it, and it's perfectly understandable, I'm not even really knocking it. A lot of it is references to, oh my God, you're seeing a Simpsons movie. And it's like, okay, that novelty is completely gone. Like, uh, you know, especially as The Simpsons in the last 10 years has transcended into almost its own form of language. You know, uh, and we're now all as a, as a human race so overexposed to The Simpsons uh, that this movie has actually somewhat been forgotten in the in, in the renewed Simpsons uh, discourse. So yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of hey, we're doing a Simpsons movie reference in it that just kind of falls flat. But it did almost make me nostalgic to you know I remember being in the cinema. And even as a very cynical teenager being like, oh, well, Simpsons hasn't been good in years. This won't be any good. Still feeling a bit excited about the fact that you were actually seeing a Simpsons film. Um, as for the movie itself, uh, I remember being very pleasantly surprised by it when it came out. I was kind of thinking for, a, you know, they got they got something of an all-star team together of, you know, the, the people who were still there and a few people who had left. And they came to together and I remember being pleasantly surprised, and I'd say that is about as nice as I would go on it. I think it is, for a Simpsons product released in 2007, it is a decently fun time that has some of the annoying traits of the newer episodes of the show, but kind of has just enough of what's good about the show in it to overcome it. Uh, it was like it's a, I, I gave it a now three star on Letterbox. I think it is a a surprisingly unimportant, unessential watch in the grand scheme of The Simpsons, um, uh, which I was surprised to, to, to kind of realize upon rewatching it. Also, it's barely 90 minutes long. It's very short. Yeah, I, I've 
that one kind of sits in between like the original Simpsons and the new Terrible Simpsons for me. Yeah, and, it, and it's not something that I'd want to revisit to slag off, but it's also not something I'd want to revisit. Full stop. To be honest. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's 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 absolutely not something where I'm saying, oh, if you've got your Disney, check it out. It's like, nah, you know, if you saw it once, you probably you probably you probably you know the gist. Um, yeah, so that's my movies this week. Very good. Cool. Should we move to emails? Yes, we have emails. Uh, Paul, do you want to go first? I will. Have you got it? No? I have it in front of me uh, from El Hijo del Scotto Macavois, as the French say. Mm. Oh, do they? Uh, oui, oui, bien sûr. Uh, pick one with a vengeance in reference to Die Hard with a vengeance. Or that old wrestling pay-per-view, also named Vengeance, um, which had a good triple threat match with Kurt Angle, Undertaker, and The Rock once. Um, good evening, Paul. At lunch lately, I've taken to scrolling... I was going to say strolling through Netflix. I don't know how you stroll there. Scrolling through Netflix and Amazon, looking for movies to watch when things slow down at work. He's like me in 2013, watching movies at work. I've realized that there are a lot of terrible movies that people seem to like watching. Oh, yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog and Game Night. Now, granted, I love grade B and lower horror films, but I love them because they are so bad. Since we've cataloged your enjoyment of bad movies... See the Three Stooges review. That's very disrespectful, Scott. That is a good movie. I thought I'd give you a pick one of bad actors where whoever you pick, nobody wins. Looking forward to hearing your logic behind your choices. So we have three bad picks here. I don't know that I've ever seen one of them in a film. So we will see. Uh, The choices this week are as follows. Mm. Ashton Ashton Kutcher. Taylor Lautner, Ugh. Adam Sandler. Um, We're picking the best of the worst. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's gotta be Kutcher. Kutcher, I I like that '70s show. Can't watch it anymore, of course, because your man's a diddler in it. Oh, yeah, what um, the fuck was that? Oh my god, that story! Holy shit! I think there had been. Stuff about him came out a few years ago, so I, I wasn't surprised to see that, actually. Um, has he been in anything else good? I like the butterfly effect. No, I do, too. I, That's pretty good. I think, I think it's kind of a guilty pleasure. I don't know that uh, it would be something that, that I'd re- re-watch quickly enough. But I, when I watched it, I really liked it. Um, um, blah, 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 blah. I have... That's the only movie I've ever seen him in. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen a couple um, of others, but that is the only one I would actually say I enjoyed. Yeah, I, li- so, I, liked, I liked it. One for uh, the Taylor Lautner. Oh, I've, never se- I've never seen a Twilight movie, so he's got that going against him. Um, he was in Grown Ups uh, 2. Does that help? Oh. I, I, I've never seen a film with Taylor Lautner in. Yeah, I mean... Officially. Uh, and I've never seen him on a TV show either. So, zero for him. Uh, his face does look like it's been kind of it's caving in on itself a little weird. Oh wow! So Jesus. I'll give him that. Like his forehead and his chin are trying to kiss. Um, and then Sandler. I mean, 
I've seen him in a few movies. I I have pangs of nostalgia for enjoying his his nineties stuff when I was a teenager. The yeah, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, Waterboy, Big Daddy, Little Nicky, those kind of things. I haven't seen Punch Drunk Love, which I'm assured is excellent and he's great in it because that's it's good. Yeah, Tom, I think you, I think you would Thomas like it. Anderson. Uh, I saw Longest Yard because all the wrestlers in it. Um, and then I've seen obviously Uncut Gems last year, which was good. I feel like I feel like it's easily Sandler, right? Yeah, I I, I think yes, but I think Sandler is also got the worst shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but the thing about these pick things that that Scott sends us is that I think every even the best actors do have some of that, and I think to me it's kind of just like who has which which of the best stuff would you rather keep? You know? Yeah, I mean I could probably tolerate, like I said, those '90s comedies more so than whatever Cameron Diaz rom com Ashton Kutcher made. Yeah, and the wed- the wedding singer is great as well. I like the wedding. Oh god, watch the wedding. That's one of his best nineties movies, I would say. Wedding singer, uh, uncut gems, funny people, and what else was good? And like Billy Madison's quite funny. Yeah, like the nineties stuff. I actually rewatched Billy Madison. Nothing ago. Like it. I don't want to say it holds up. Like it's still hilarious, but it is all right. Most of it's all right. Yeah. And he was in Airheads as well. That was good with uh, Steve Buscemi. Yeah, Adam Sandler, I think clearly, despite the fact that we've mocked him quite relentlessly with the you know, the Jack and Jill stuff. Um, and the grandmother! And <laughs> apart from that, he has done, he has had the odd kind of great showing. And he was in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, I have an email, if that was your only email, Paul. Correct. Um, also from Scott McAvoy, he says, Good evening, Joe. Sorry I haven't emailed in a while since the middle of March when my company told us to get out of the building and work from mm. home until further notice. I've had three days off. It's nice being busy, I'm not complaining, but it does cut down on my ability to interact with the rest of the world. Well, you can always feel free to interact with us, Scott. We're here uh, week in, week out. I uh, hope you're keeping well. Uh, look forward to your emails. Um, he goes on to say, since there isn't much good to talk about in the wrestling world this week, I thought I'd help a wrestler 20 questions. Oh, show. excellent. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he saying that to Joe? Send fucking me or Barry that. Oh, Don't yeah. leave the two dum-dums to be the team. I think I did the last one. Uh, didn't I? Oh, God. Okay, hang on. But you did get the last one. I think, didn't you get it in like, Anyway, possibly. Um, okay, so I've got the wrestler. So whenever, let me just get their Wikipedia page open. Okay. So that's I'm making, I'm making a, got a Wikipedia uh, page. So, um, whenever you're ready. Okay, we'll start broad. Um, is this is this person alive? Yes. Okay. Um. Is this person an active pro wrestler? Uh, yes. Okay. That, that, had, that had a bit of trepidation on it. Mm. Um, I'll put a little asterisk next to it. Um, without assuming the gender, 
God knows, is Pride Month. But is this a man? Yes. Okay. Happy Pride Month, by the way, everyone. Um, I hope you're all enjoying uh, digital fucking uh, parades. um, Because I don't think any of them are allowed to happen. Um, Okay. Um, What did you just ask there, Paul? He's a man. He's a man. Okay. He's a living man who is, question mark, active. Um... Uh, has this person ever been world champion in a major company? Yes. Okay. Have they been a world champion in WWE? Yes. Aha. Okay. Um, we, should, we we gotta we have to get this. So we can't be yeah. out of it. Uh, I wonder is it Undertaker Scott in celebration of of. Uh, I guess, I guess, I guess the official answer on him being active is no, technically. In celebration of a boneyard match. All right, uh, let me see here. Uh, see, I, it's one of the traps I think we often fall into. These things is asking questions about, oh, were they like active during the Attitude Era and shit like that? That doesn't narrow anything down. Um, uh, was. Has this person ever been in TNA? Yes. Okay. okay. Um, so straight away off the top of my head. Main event could, mafia. Uh, what about, it could be Christian. Since he is yeah. like, he's, there's a question mark over his acting. He technically had a match this year, folks. Um, Correct. Um, yeah. So anyway, but, uh, but we're still, we're still early days. Um, the, we're in T, TNA slash Impact. Let's say. Mm. I love how people who don't watch it will still refer to it as TNA, even though it's not been called that in what six years. Um, okay, a WWE World Champion who has been in TNA is this person, or is this man? Uh, did they hold the TNA World Title? Uh, let me double check. I think they did. Yes. Okay. Uh, Joe, you don't have to. You don't have to say if this is or is not relevant to the, the um, person. But if they were like NWA champion in TNA, would you count that? Uh, yeah. As long as they were the world yeah. champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So I think Christian is a possibility there, uh, Paul. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Christian, Angle. Although Angle is definitively retired. Um, is he? Not, oh yeah, not, he is. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Yeah. That, yeah. Baron Corbin, remember that match? Oh, um, oh god. Uh, not Steiner because he was never WWE World Champion. Oh yeah. Uh, Booker T was never TNA World Champion. Yeah, Kevin Nash was never TNA World Champion. Yeah, this is a, yeah, this is a fairly small list. Now that I think about it, um, Drew McIntyre, but he's he's obviously active. Although Joe did say yes to to active. Uh, oh 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 wait no he hasn't been a champion in in WWE. I was going to say Joe some more Joe, but he's never been World no. Champ. Yeah, AJ obviously. Um, we're thinking 
okay, Christian is kind of top of our hit list, so right. Um, we could ask: Has has this person ever been the European champion in WWE? Uh, no. Wait. No. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes, they have. Okay, so. I mean, Christian's been European champion. Who else would fall into that bracket? Because the European title was discontinued in like oh, 2002. Two? Yeah, so. Mm. And who who was like, in in the last days, you had like DDP, Christian. Um, RVD. RVD. Does RVD... RVD RVD oh. was world champion in WWE. He united it with the ECW one. He he he, he never was a champion in Impact, was he? I think he was the TNA world champion. Yeah. Was oh he yes, that, like, yeah. He beat, he beat like AJ Styles. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um. Yes, RVD. That's a good one. Um, Jeff Hardy, maybe. But Jeff, yeah, Jeff Hardy's active as well, of course. Well, to be, the Hardy. answer the answer to the active question was yes. To be fair, yeah, Jeff Hardy was European champion. I'm pretty sure. Well, so I think, been, mm, I think Jeff Christian and RVD are are, are good options. Um, yeah, and I'd say if I was to get in Joe's head, I would say Joe would probably just say no to Christian being active. But I don't know. It's it's one of those weird things where WWE technically did a match with him, so it's very weird how you. We could we could maybe ask if this person was ever in a. TLC match in WWE. They all were, weren't they? Yes, that's correct. <laughs> I was only thinking of the first two. I forgot um, all the other ones they did. And I think they've all won the hardcore title as well, so um Yeah. Well, Christian and RVD Held the ECW world title as well. Oh, that's a good question to ask. Um, uh, Joe, has this person ever held the ECW world championship? Yes. Okay. Okay. This is a. This is a. This has to be a tiny list. This has to be a tiny list. Um, it surely is down to Christian and RVD. Um. Uh, what can. What can we ask that would disqualify RVD or confirm if it's him? Um, has has this per- oh no sorry Paul is your question? I don't mind. Go on. Has this person did this person wrestle on either of the original one night stand pay per views? Uh, yes. Okay. I, I I think it has to be Robert Van Dam then, uh, Paul. Yeah, I'm just going to run through my head. Anyone else who it could have been? Um, a, a live, active male wrestler who was European champion, world champion in WWE, world champion in Impact, um, and in ECW, a, 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 and an East, and ECW champion, and was on what the one of the the two uh, one night stand cards, original one night stand cards. Yeah. The 2006 one is kind of gone from my memory, but the 2000. But yeah, I mean, you've got you've got Sabu and Ray and all those people, but they don't have that combination of championships. 
Um, so there is there is a there's a lot of weird people across those two cards, but I think I think RVD is our answer here. Mm. Uh, okay. Uh, Joe, is it yes. Rob Van Dam? Well, Barry, after eleven questions, yes, it is Rob Van Dam. Woo! Very, very good, good job. That's a that's a great round by us. Well done. Yeah, well done, lads. That uh, European Championship one really threw me. So I was like, when the hell could RVD have held the European Championship? But of course, he was the final ever European Championship. Yeah, because he united with the ice. I think he was the icy at the time, and he united with Jeff. I want to say. Yeah, yeah. Who's European in a ladder match? Yeah. Uh, good one. I was just reading on his uh, Wikipedia page. He was most recently in a stable in Impact with uh, Joey Ryan and Jake uh, Christ. Chris, I don't even know how to pronounce that. Um, in this stable called Council Culture. Oh, yes. lovely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's why we don't review Impact. <laughs> um, I got some emails. Are you done with emails, Joe? Yeah. Uh, first one here is from Michelle. It's just highlight. Uh, one of my top two favorite podcasts, Doughboys, had Joey Janela on as the guest this week. Uh, the show reviews fast food chains, and it's great. You can listen here. The uh, URL is headgum.com slash doughboys. Um, and apparently it's a Chili's review with Joey Janela. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds fun. Uh, Michelle says, I think you should listen if you ins- – uh, it says me and Paul would like it. And she says, here's a few inside jokes you should know before listening. The hosts are Mike Mitchell, a.k.a. The Spoon Man. And Nick Weiger, aka Weiger the Burger Boy. I've I, I hope that's how that's pronounced. Uh, uh, Mitch is single and Nick is married to his lovely wife Natalie. I I'm wondering is Michelle winding me up with this email because she says Nick can suck his own dick. <laughs> Which I'm gonna I'm gonna take that at face value and keep going. This sounds like a fake podcast. He's like some catchphrases, ma, oven fries. I'm something of a heat seeker. Ooey gooey, oh so soft and chewy. Ungapachka, which means too much in Yiddish. Joe can explain anything else. Joe, is this a real show? This is, in fact, a real show, yeah. I, I actually introduced it to Michelle okay. many years ago and then stopped listening myself um, while she became somewhat of a Doughboys super fan. Um, subscribes to their Patreon mm. and everything. So, yeah, all of those were real, real references. It's, it's quite a funny show. I listen to it occasionally now. Yeah, Joey John Lennon okay. was on it. He wasn't exactly full of personality, to be honest. He was quite subdued, but it was, it was interesting nonetheless. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a weirdo. He's a bit of a weirdo. Um, see. Next email here is from Scott. He says, as discussed a bit earlier in the week, the lack of fans in the crowds is rather refreshing. Nobody's trying to make the show about themselves, to ch- chant stupid things and delay shows. Nobody's to say what during promos. Uh, as much as the company would rather have a full house and traveling show, I'm not looking forward to the fans chanting boring or you still got it. Almost wish they could have crowds for pay-per-view, but not for the weekly show. What do you guys think? Could that work? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I appreciate that, that there is no, that, that a lot of the dumber, uh, more self-serving chants are gone. Um, especially because like it is, it now feels like a weekly occurrence that you would get a, you still got it chant. No, no, not, uh, sorry. A, you deserve a chant. That's the one that annoys me the most. It's like whenever someone wins a match, they get a you deserve it chant. And it's just like, all right, let's let's 
let's get over that one. Uh, but generally speaking, I, I would probably I would rather take the the rough with the smooth and have the fans back. That's um, uh, that is uh, that's my take anyway on that. What do you lads think? You guys missing the the, the crowd at the wrestling? Yeah, I think it is better with the crowd for good and better or worse. Um, it's just so flat without it. I would like to see them take a Premier League approach and just don't even have people stand in a ringside, just pipe in the crowd audio. Yeah, well, that's what the, the greatest match ever did, the Randy Orton thing. Yeah, but don't have a wacky camera shot from under Edge's face when he's being DDT'd or whatever. That's don't, true. Don't, don't go too far on it. I could do without that. You're right. Uh, Scott goes on here to say, here's a pick one for you with a tag team twist. Motor City Machine Guns, the Briscoes, Ooh. Mark and Jay, beer money. Have a great week, Scott. Thank you very much, as always, Scott, for your great emails. Um, good Three good teams there. Uh, I would probably, just in terms of the volume of great matches, I'd probably have to say the Briscoes. Ooh, I am no, no longer, sadly, but I was at one time an owner of a Motor City Machine, Machine Guns t-shirt mm. um, during my TNA heyday. Uh, yeah, I was a big Machine Guns guy. I've not seen so much of the Briscoes, unfortunately. Yeah. I was, didn't watch much Ring of Honor in the like early 2010s. Yeah. Um, and then Beer Money. Beer Money had a great series with the machine guns, obviously. Mm. But I think I would have to go machine guns for me. Uh, and I'll, I'll go beer money to round out the, the three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Everybody were afraid. It's like the most interested I've ever been in Bobby Roode. Uh, with, the, with the exception of uh, that Austin Aries title thing. I'll tell you what, I'd rather see beer money in AEW than FTR, if I'm honest. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. Isn't it? Um, second email here from Scott he says, sorry for the, the double email I was listening to a giant bombcast from 2008 and they were discussing the slow demise of TNA and I realised that people have been talking about TNA going out of business for 12 years now uh, probably longer, basically since inception I think, uh, is this the slowest death in TV history, do you think Panda Energy has just forgotten that they own it and everyone gets paid out of petty cash from Panda, does Dixie Carter have some very unflattering pictures of the board of Panda Energy so she keeps her toy? It's actually, so it's not them anymore. It's 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 changed. Uh, there was the big legal battle um, uh, and they sold to... Anthem, yeah, Anthem, isn't it? Anthem, yeah, yeah. The, the Fight Network people. And they, in turn, then bought Access, the former HDNet and the former home of Ring of Honor and New Japan. And now, so that's how TNA got that. So yeah, so that's, so that's, now, <laughs> that does not answer the question why, because there was a big legal battle as well, like, like, Dixie wanted to sell to them, and Billy Corgan thought he had a stake in it, and Jeff Jarrett was in there somewhere doing something, like, very bizarre history, but uh, I take his wife, probably. Somewhere, yeah, just just all manner of people in there. But I, I certainly take your point as to what exactly anyone gets out of this, especially someone like the Fight Network. But uh, yeah, certainly, certainly the death of TNA has been prophesied since their existence. Uh, Scott's on saying, really puzzled how a company, a company that at one point was on a major cable network and had major players in the wrestling business, has gone almost to an internet wrestling company with fewer recognizable wrestlers than most local indie shows. 
and a show off is still a viable company. Any ideas? Yeah, no, it's it's a mystery, and and it's it's just since exi- since they've existed, they've always had uh, a big company behind them that was confident that you know if we just stick with this TNA thing or Impact thing, it'll pay off in the long run. Whether that was Panda or another fight network, so fair play to them. If they if they if they keep getting checks, then then who am I? Who are we to say they are? Uh, uh, they're anything less than geniuses. <laughs> but I mean. Impact today is such a weird company in that they they don't really do touring. They don't. They're essentially a TV product, but they don't. It doesn't do much TV business. It's they're they're almost like a weird vanity project that they're just kept going because someone wants to do it, but they they don't really seem to be building to any bigger level than they are. It's, it's it's a really weird situation that they're still going. As opposed to it being, you know, wishing them to close, like, when they were obviously circling the drain in the Destination America and Pop TV days. Now you just see, you're just reminded that you'll, you'll come across a wrestling website and you'll see Impact. You go, oh yeah, they're still on the go. For who and why? Hmm. No one knows. No one knows. Uh, that's all my emails this week. Wow. Any wrestling? Well, speaking of impact, uh, your one isn't... Uh, their world champion is gone, apparently. Your one. Tessa Blanchard. <laughs> Yeah, kind of surprised it, it it took that long because it's not like she's she just got some con- became subject of controversy. I don't even know why she got fired this most recent time, but uh, she is no stranger to controversy. They even coronated her world champion amidst a lot of very not nice stories about her coming out. So mm. yeah, I, I like that's a, another weird thing about Impact's existence is what what does or does not constitute a. a a suspension or firing worthy offense um, uh, in that company. I mean, they did, they have released two people or seemingly released two people. They've been very quiet on it. Um, but, but news has broken that the two people have been let go in light of accusations from the last week. And, uh, mm-hmm. and like two, two people. And then also Michael Elgin, but they're not using the term fired about him. Like it, they are just, they're just weird. They are just a very weird company. Um, and and I would include all that Sasha, uh, Sasha, Jesus Christ, uh, Tessa stuff in there. My brain's turned to mush. I'm out of wrestling a week, and I've forgotten all the names. Um, <laughs> you're yeah. one. That's what. That's you're why I say you're one. That's Paul went with, with your one. That's me told. Um. So I guess I'm the only person who watched any wrestling in the hiatus. Um. I watched the. The final episode of that Undertaker documentary. Oh God, why? Oh, I enjoyed it. I I enjoyed the 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 story of his um, impact wrestling speed retirement. Um, yeah. So, in summary, he had the Boneyard match. It was good, and he said, "That's enough for me." Um, and it was very funny in that. They showed him being all happy, right? The match was good. I'm old now. Fucking bones are all brittle. 
Um, and then they played um, that old, the old troubadour country song. This old troubadour. Da, da, da. And they had a big montage of, of him uh, you know, going, living at home with his family. And you, know, you don't need wrestling anymore. And then it had like a, a Lord of the Rings Return of the King ending where after the the show closing montage it went on for like another 10 minutes with talking heads going well the undertaker is one of the most well-respected and best known wrestlers in the company history and then at the end he goes well uh, i have no uh i have no what want to get back in the ring but you know if, if vince ever calls again well you know uh. <laughs> so, oh my god this fucker god you never retire um but then that that got me thinking on the topic of retirements anyway, and you know, I when a wrestler retires, whether it be Shawn Michaels or whoever, I, I I like how some people take it so so seriously. Like with Shawn Michaels, until he had that Saudi Arabia match, he wouldn't he wouldn't have a single match where it would be like you know, okay, you're you're not on the road three hundred days a year. You can do a match here or there if you want. Like, don't worry, man. You're retired. You're retired anyway. You can still do a match. Um. Uh, but no. Uh, anyway, <laughs> moving on. I then watched um, Dynamite this week. I watched it today, actually. Uh, I was quite behind on it. Uh, let me tell you, Matt Hardy is someone who needs to retire imminently. That lad oh. looks like the. Uh, I I hesitate to use the word cripple, but he oh, can oh. barely he can barely move. He. He looks like he's in pain walking across the ring. His little legs. Like, he, legs can't hold him up anymore. Oh. He is... He will... like He'll be in a wheelchair in, like, five years. He can't walk. He's he's so immobile. Um, I actually don't mind what they're doing with his, like, Mick Foley-esque various gimmick thing. It's fine. But um, watching him actually wrestle, you're like, oh, my God. His 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 knees are go the wrong direction. They're pointing like sideways. <laughs> Little bow legged man. Yeah, he's had that for a while. And but like he he can really not move. He's not mobile at all. Um, poor lad. Dynamite was a fairly bleh episode this week. So for you guys to skip it, you didn't really miss much. Mm. Um, FTR had had a decent match with SCU. Um. Cage destroyed a jobber and then Taz cut quite a good promo on, on Moxley. Of course, he's he's at home with the COVID now uh, since all the WWE wrestlers have it. Um, and yeah, so Fighter Fest starts next week. Well, this coming week. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out given that f- fucking 50% of Florida seem to have the virus at this stage. God, yeah. Um, and I love that you still have fucking Zack Ryder at the bar posting, hey, I'm at the bar. Like, I don't care. They don't care. I guess they don't care. But that's why a lot of them have, to have this virus. Yeah. Um, anyway, anyway, be safe, everyone. <laughs> Uh, I think that's all. I don't think there was anything else noteworthy from it. Okie dokie. Uh, yeah, we will call it there then. Uh, we'll be back uh, 
next week, um, talking more wrestling and the various other media we consume and all that jazz. You know, you don't score at this stage, folks. Uh, so in the meantime, do take care of yourselves in these continuingly strenuous times. Um, uh, and uh, we'll be back next week to talk more shite. Um, yeah, so until then, uh, we will say uh, goodbye for now. It's Chairshot Podcast, Chairshot Pod uh, on Twitter. And uh, yeah, we'll be back soon. So it's goodbye from me, Barry Murphy. It's goodbye from Joe Towner. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Mr. Paul Griffin. Goodbye. Goodbye.